0: Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that wants everyone to know that any jar can be a swear jar if you can't get it open. It's Dale. <laughs> damn right. <laughs> here, here, open this damn jar. Open this jar of pickles. pass it around the living room. Okay, who, who, who can open this damn jar? Tap it with a fork. <laughs>
1: They'll put it under the water and hit it with a butter knife. Tink, tink, tink. Yeah. And just bust it, throw it on the floor. <laughs> That's it.
0: They ought to put the swear words right on the jar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> case of emergency bus jar that's it what's yeah. going on dude oh not much man ready to get this going yeah i am ready to get it going yeah, it's gonna be a good one yep you got any good shout outs or anything you want to talk about man, first we do. i got a, a one from our one of our youtube friends all the way from scotland man we'd like to give you a shout out it's uh db hoy mcw said uh, he really enjoyed the podcast and thought it was really great and he's a big fan awesome
0: so that's cool right all the way from scotland yeah was it a he or a she it was a db hoy um well whoever they are male or female we appreciate you we absolutely appreciate appreciate you
1: you. yeah Yeah. and i'd like to give a you know thanks to a couple people i ain't gonna list everybody but a couple you know we put a thing out on our page the other week about what was your favorite episode we have several people give us an answer and i'd like to shout out a couple people like elaine wilson and debbie crumb and stick elliott and tracy campbell and ann Centel, deborah dingus melissa pearson Sean Martin, and Tyler Postman. Yeah. So I'm going to go that pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate y'all, you know, jumping in there. And we thought it would be a good idea maybe, you know, we would do some discussion and stuff and discuss our favorite ish, uh, episodes and any other thing you'd like to post so you guys can join in and talk with us and we could talk to you. So we created a – fans of crack house chronicles facebook page and i'd like for everybody to jump over there and uh, get on that page and just more talk amongst yourselves yeah so it's real so like a little family gimmick maybe yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking well we love our facebook family yeah we do and all of our fans tremendously yeah we do sorry donna what are we doing today well i'm get, get going before we get yelled at. unless you got anything else you want to say well i
0: want to remind everybody to go on apple podcast <laughs> and click that five star and please give a five-star rate and review. Yeah, because, man, it helps. It really does. If you don't even go to the website and click the Donate button, just word of mouth, tell your friends. Mm -hmm.
1: Remember, you can also give a five-star on Spotify now. Oh, yeah. We're we're not leaving. That's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, click that five-star. If your podcast platform allows it, click it.
1: Click the five star and the follow button.
0: It really does help. It helps us move move us to the top.
1: Yeah, we need we need some recognition. Yeah, absolutely. Other than you guys,
0: and get you some merch from the store page. Get you a shirt, something something cool.
1: If you do, post it on that fans page, man. Yep. Person it does, we'll post it for
0: you. There's been some people post some stuff on there. I know it's cool, isn't it? Absolutely makes me happy yep all right bud we're gonna get into our episode man all
1: right let's do it
0: and you know dale we've done some first on the crack house chronicles different things but this one is a first because this family that we're going to talk about is probably the first family of serial killer family that that we've talked about
1: yeah it kind of reminds you of like a texas chainsaw massacre without the chainsaws kind of yeah and i guess now with uh yellowstone and uh 1883 being Real popular. This is. This fits right in with the with the groove. Yeah, be a little bit before that, but <laughs> this is really cool.
0: But we're going back to way a, back, way back to October of eighteen seventy. Eighteen seventy. Yes, yeah, so this was just right after the Civil War ended. Mm-hmm. And this is when five families of spiritualist. Now. What you might want to ask yourself, what is a spiritualist? Yeah, what is that? Don? But it's it was like a new religious movement, and it was pretty much based on the belief that the spirits of the dead existed and have both the ability and the inclination to communicate with the living. So, is this where fortune tellers come from? I guess. Boy, you sound technical. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, but anyway, these five families of spiritualists they homesteaded in and around the township of Osage. Right. And it's in northwestern Labette County in Kansas. Like I said, this was in October of 1870. Mm-hmm. And this is right near where the town of Cherryvale was established like seven months later. Cherryvale? No, Cherryvale. Oh, that's uh, close. Yeah, we have a Cherryvale around <laughs> here, but this is a little bit different spelling. Okay. But it's just northeast of Cherryvale. Right. And one of the families was John Bender Sr., And his son John Jr. So I guess it's like during the Homestead Act, and
1: where Lincoln passed, where you can go out and get a bunch of land, and if you live there five years or whatever, and you could be yours.
0: Yeah, if nobody claimed it, you can register it and work it, and after five years, it was yours. Yeah,
1: all you had to do was improve it, build on it, and farm it and stuff.
0: Yep. Okay. But John Bender Sr. and his son John Jr. They registered 160 acres of land, and it was just adjacent to the Great Osage Trail. How was that? The great Osage Trail. Right, it was um, a trail. Okay, yeah. I it was pretty great one. But <laughs> what it was, it was the only open road for traveling further west.
1: Right. So basically, it's the the highway coming in.
0: It was like I forty.
1: Right. Rolling in. So we're gonna put a we're gonna set up shop right here beside the highway. Yeah. We're gonna be the the what do you call it the rest stop. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Rest stop on I forty. <laughs> right. But yeah. Okay.
0: But that's what they did. They they just set up a uh, shop or homestead right there next to the Great Osage Trail, and mm-hmm. right next to the to the road. John Senior and John Junior they built a cabin, a barn, and a corral. Yeah, they,
1: well, they had some help, you know, a lot of people bringing in lumber and uh some other stuff um, some hay and stuff like a thatcher roof but it wasn't a very big cabin it was like what 16 by 24 i think yeah
0: something like that. it wasn't very big at all
1: and they had a, a big slab of stone brought in they bought a bunch of rocks from one of the neighbors that was like seven by seven feet by three inches thick or something to go down in the cellar to put all their
0: stuff on the stuff and it's pretty cool but it's not very big yeah they dug a big hole for a cellar and put that rock down in the bottom of it yeah and uh put the cabin on top of it correct that's what they did.
1: Yeah, and then I think they had a pole barn out there, a the three-sided barn, whatever, and for animals, and got the
0: corral going and everything. So they were working hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The cabin and all this stuff was built in the fall of 1871. Now, John Sr.'s wife, Elvira, and daughter, Kate, they arrived a little bit later. Right. And the cabin was divided in t- into two rooms by the canvas that was on the wagon. Which is pretty smart, yeah. Yeah. They divided up this cabin into, I guess.
1: So basically it had one big room, and they just hung this thing in the middle to make it two rooms. Yeah, okay. pretty much, yeah. yeah.
0: The front part of it was they made it like a little general store. Right. Where they could sell some dry goods and, I guess, different things. And Elvira had a little kitchen in there, and she could cook and feed travelers as they were coming and going. Yeah, so like a little
1: bed and breakfast. Yeah,
0: kind of thing. Smart, really. Yeah, I guess guess they could stay the night, too.
1: I wonder if, I guess that's why they got the land where they did, right there on the highway. So they they were thinking ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's really smart. Yeah. But now the front section of this cabin contained a kitchen, like we said, and a dining table where, you know, these travelers, they could stop for a meal and, like we said, even spend the night. Right. And Elvira and Kate, they also planted a two-acre vegetable garden and apple orchard just a little bit north of the cabin. Right. Man, I'm thinking, man,
1: 160 acres. Well, they just give you a hunk of land, wouldn't
0: they? Oh, yeah. That's a lot of damn land. Yeah. Man. But now talking about the Bender family themselves. Right. Now, John Bender Sr., he was around 60 years old, and he spoke very little English. And when he did speak it, it was so guttural that you couldn't understand what he was saying. I think they
1: were like German immigrants, right?
0: Yeah, they were. Right. And according to the May 23rd, 1873 edition of the Emporia News he was identified by the name of William Bender hmm. and Elvira who also spoke very little English was 55 years of age and she was pretty unfriendly <laughs> she didn't get along with anybody and,
1: she a nice nickname for being unfriendly <laughs> yeah they
0: they called her she devil oh lord the you'd mom. think would be
1: a little more nice if you're going to run a little business there you'd then. think
0: yeah <laughs> yeah people come and they say hey, we probably don't have anything you want Get out. But John Bender, Jr., he was around 25 years of age, and they said he was handsome, had uh, auburn hair and a mustache, and he spoke English very well, but with a German accent. Hmm. And he was prone to just laugh aimlessly, which kind of led people to think that he was kind of maybe a a, a half-wit or... His elevator didn't go to the top, maybe. Right. The screen door had a hole in it. He a few bricks shy. With a full of, <laughs> Yeah. Cheese slid off his cracker. <laughs> but anyway, Kate Bender, the the young female, she was around 23. And they said she was just a little bit different from the rest of them. She was uh, cultivated and attractive and spoke English very well. and with no, very, yeah,
1: Not much of an accent at all, right? Yeah,
0: no accent at all, hardly. Kate, she was a what she called a self proclaimed healer and psychic.
1: There we go.
0: Yeah. And she would even distribute flyers advertising her supernatural powers and her ability to cure sicknesses. Hmm. And she also conducted seances. And she gave lectures on spiritualism, I guess, trying to pull people into their religion. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what she was doing. And she gained a little bit of notoriety for. Advocating free love, free love. Yeah, this is back before the seventies. <laughs> Wait, yeah, but the eighteen seventies. Well, it was
1: the seventies. Yeah, eighteen seventies.
0: Yeah, but Kate's her popularity became a large attraction for the Benders and their inn. Right, but the Benders they kept themselves, and Kate and her brother regularly attended Sunday school in the nearby Harmony Grove. Hmm.
1: So they went out and about while the elders just kind of hung by the
0: house. Yeah, they were seen in town quite a bit. Now, like we said, the Bender family. They were believed to be German immigrants, but there was no documentation or any kind of proof of their relationship to each other or where they were born or or anything. Yeah.
1: But Nothing's ever been documented.
0: Yeah. They, they didn't do much documenting because really any time anybody was born back then, if they didn't write it in a Bible, they didn't know. Right. There was no record of a birth anywhere. But so that's pretty much the way they recorded births. But like we said, John Bender was either from Germany or the Netherlands. And is thought by some people to have been born to, by the name of John Flickinger, hmm. and there was some uh, newspapers at the time said that Elvira was was born Almira Hill Mark, but it was often misreported as Make M E I K. So I guess that might be a German name. I don't know. Hmm. No idea. But since she was born in the Adirondack Mountains, that's cool. But she married a man named Simon Mark with uh, she they claimed that she had twelve kids. Can you imagine Mm-mm. and she later married a man named William Stephen Griffith, and Elvira was suspected of murdering several husbands but mm. but none of these rumors ever was ever proven.
1: Man, how old was this lady? She was fifty years old. She had twelve kids and a couple marriages. She had to squeeze in quick,
0: yeah they <laughs> yeah that's why that's all they were doing making kids <laughs> but now it is believed that Kate the one the young female that is with them is believed to be Elvira's fifth daughter hmm. but some of the uh, Benders neighbors claim that John and Kate were not brother and sister but actually husband and wife hmm. yeah, I wonder yeah it's kind of weird so it's
1: it's kind of well, I guess it's possible
0: kind of a weird family but those who knew them and have written about them the following have been has been gathered dell they said the old man. John Bender Sr., he was repulsive and hideous and like he was just dirty and ill-tempered. Yeah. Unshaven, just pretty much grotesque. <laughs> and Nice guy. Yeah. No wonder
1: old woman's always pissed
0: off. Yep. Yeah. And Mrs. Bender, they said that she was a dirty old Dutch crone. Those that knew the Bender family, Kate maintained carnal relations with her brother. That's what they're claiming. Hmm. And she boldly proclaimed her right to do so claiming that, you know, she can have sex with her brother if she wanted to. So I guess that's why everybody's thinking, hey, I don't think that's really her brother. Yeah. It hadn't been proved either way. Right.
1: In her one of her lectured manuscripts, she said, uh, Shall we confine ourselves to a single love and deny our natures the proper sway? Even though it's a brother's passion for his own sister, I say it should not be smothered. Hmm.
0: So it's very possible they were brother and sister or possibly married. Right. Or yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Could be. All right, now we're going to get into the... Some stuff. Yeah, the deaths and disappearances, Dale. Now, in May of 1871, the body of a man named Jones, that's all we know about him. Jones? You know old Jones? Jones, yeah. Uh, He had his skull crushed and his throat cut, Mm. and he was discovered in Drum Creek. And the owner of the Drum Creek claim was suspected, but no action was taken. And in February of 1872, the bodies of two men were found. So this is about a year later. Yeah, the bodies of two men were found who had the same injuries as Jones. Mm. And by 1873, reports of missing people who had passed through the area had become so common that travelers, they started to avoid the trail. Yeah, I would too. Heck yeah. Don't take that exit. (laughs) Mm -mm, No, don't go to that rest stop. Now, the area was already widely known for horse thieves and villains. And vigilant committees often arrested some for the disappearances, only for them to be later released by the authorities. Right. And many of the men under suspicion were, were run out of the county by these committees.
1: Hmm. I wonder they didn't just string them up.
0: You'd think. Yeah.
1: So now we got a couple people found in the in the creek, and a lot more people just starting to disappear. Yes. So I guess they're they're knowing that they were traveling from here to there, and people would see them, and maybe this community or that one, and then they never made it to the one. Passed here.
0: Yeah, they never did hear from them again. Yeah. So now in the winter of 1872, a man by the name of George Newton Longcore and his infant daughter, Ann, they left Independence, Kansas. And they were going to Iowa to resettle and were never seen again. Hmm. And in the spring of 1873, Longcore's former neighbor, Dr. William Henry York, he went looking for them. Right. And he started questioning homesteaders along the trail. And Dr. York reached Fort Scott on March the 9th, and he began the return journey to Independence but never got back home.
1: Right. So I guess there are places between Fort Scott and Independence.
0: You'd think so, yeah. Yeah. Now, Dr. York, he had two brothers. One of them was Ed York, and he was living in Fort Scott. Another one was Colonel Alexander M. York, and he was a Civil War veteran, a lawyer, and a member of the Kansas State Senate from Independence who in uh, November of 1872 had been instrumental in, ex- in exposing U.S. Senator Samuel C. Pomeroy's bribery of state legislators for a, in a bid for re-election. Right. So these are pretty prominent people. Yeah. That's coming through the, the Osage Trail right there.
1: They had a proud mama,
0: I bet you. Yes, they, they did. they were
1: all pretty prominent folks.
0: And both knew of Williams' travel plans, and when he failed to return home— all an all-out search began for the missing doctor. Right.
1: They weren't just going to let it go.
0: Nope. And Colonel York, leading a company of 50 men, questioned every traveler along the trail and visited all the area homesteads. So it's getting pretty He, was, he wasn't playing, was no, he? No, he wasn't messing around. <laughs> 50 people. We're going to get some answers. Now, on March 28th of 1873, Colonel York, he arrived at the Bender's inn i guess their little shack yeah that's what they call it, <laughs> he wouldn't, inn. Wouldn't it. and he was there with mr johnson explaining to them that his brother had gone missing and asking if they'd seen him anywhere and they admitted dr york had stayed with them and suggested the possibility that he may have run into trouble with the indians
1: hmm. so blaming <laughs> on the indians
0: yep and colonel york agreed that that was possible and he stayed for dinner right and on april the third colonel york returned to the inn with armed men and after being informed that the woman had fled from the inn after being threatened with knives by Elvira Bender. Hmm. But Elvira allegedly could not understand English while the younger benders denied the claim.
1: So she's playing dumb. Yeah, and all the rest of them are (laughs) taking up for them. Right.
0: Now, when York repeated the claim, Elvira, she got enraged. She got pissed off. Yep. And said the woman was a witch who had cursed her coffee. And ordered the men to leave her house, revealing for the first time that her sense of English language. So she knew how to speak English. Right.
1: So now she didn't give herself away.
0: So before York left, Kate asked him to return alone the following night, Friday night, and she would uh, use her clairvoyant abilities to help him find his brother. Yeah. Come back by yourself. We're going to have have a seance. (laughs) Yeah. And the men with York were convinced the Benders were guilty and wanted to hang them. (laughs) Want to hang them all? Yeah, but York insisted that evidence must be found. Wow. Neighboring committees began accusations that the Osage community was responsible for the disappearance. Right,
1: so they're starting to blame their community. Like, look, it ain't us. They, they go past here and never seen again. So yep. it's got to be them.
0: And a meeting was arranged by the Osage Township and the Harmony Grove Schoolhouse. And the meeting was attended by 75 locals, including Colonel York and both John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr., And after discussing the disappearances, including that of William York, it was agreed that a search warrant would be attained to search every homestead between Big Hill Creek and Drum Creek. Yeah, because Drum Creek was where they found uh, Jones, a man named Jones. Mm -hmm. And two other bodies. Yep. And despite York's strong suspicions regarding the benders since his visit several weeks earlier, no one had watched them, and it was not noticed for several days that they had fled hmm. they got out of town right the benders had flew the coop packed up and gone yep it was just three days after the meeting a guy named billy toll was driving cattle past the benders property when he noticed that the little shack was abandoned and the farm animals were unfed so this hmm. was three days right and toll reported the fact to the township trustee because of the inclement weather and several days lapsed before the abandonment could be investigated. Right. And the township trustee called for volunteers, and several hundred turned out to form a search party that included Colonel York. Yeah, he ain't playing. And when the party arrived at the end, they found the empty cabin, empty of food, clothing, clothing, and personal possessions were gone.
1: Everything's gone.
0: But now, get this.
1: Hmm.
0: Dale, they noticed a bad odor. Right. And it was traced to a trap door that was underneath the bed, and the trap door was nailed shut. right? And after opening the trap door... The empty room was six feet deep, seven feet square at the top, and three feet square at the bottom, mm. and was found to have clotted blood on the floor. All over. Yep. And the stone slab that we talked about was broken into, sl- broken up with sledgehammers, but no bodies were found.
1: Yeah, so they busted up the floor looking for something. Yeah. It wasn't nothing, but everything was soaked in blood.
0: Yeah, and the blood had to be smelling. Oh, yeah. Good old nasty. Yep. Yep. And the men then physically lifted the cabin and moved it to the side so they could dig under it, but no bodies were found. Hmm. And they got to probing the ground around the cabin with a metal rod, and they found some disturbed soil in the vegetable garden and the orchard. Right. And this is where they found Dr. York's body.
1: Right. Now, I read somewhere where were said, you know, they was about to give up the search when uh, York, he was sitting in his buggy, and the sun was starting to go down, and... You could look over and you could see the depression in the ground.
0: Yeah. And that's when they found him. But go ahead. Yeah, but they found York's body that evening, and he was buried face down with his feet barely below barely the surface. The, yeah. yeah, just barely below. And the probing continued until midnight with another nine suspected grave sites before the men were satisfied that they had found them all and retired for the night. Mm. Now, the next morning, they resumed the digging, and another eight bodies were found and seven of the nine suspected graves Ooh. while one was found in a well and along with a number of body parts and all but one had their heads bashed with a hammer and throats cut dale mm-hmm. and it was reported in newspapers at the time that all had been incidentally mutilated now get this there was a body of a young girl that was found with no injuries sufficient to cause death and it was it was speculated. That she had been strangled or buried alive. Yeah, that was the
1: one where the the guy and his infant daughter they were buried together. Yes. Yeah, and she was like buried at his feet. And they just suspect she was buried alive. In the sick fuckers.
0: Now, there was a Kansas newspaper reported that the crowd was so incensed after finding the bodies mm. that that a friend of the benders named Brockman, who was one of the onlookers, was hanged from a beam in the inn until unconsciousness.
1: God dang. Then they they revived him and interrogated him to see what (laughs) he knew, and then they hanged him again. Dang. After the third hanging, they released him, and he staggered home as one of the or deranged. I'm like, holy cow, (laughs) we're going to find out something. Either you know or you not, but we're going to know if you do.
0: Yep. Wow. And there was a Roman Catholic prayer book that was found in the house with notes written inside, and it was written in German, which were later translated, and the text read, Johanna, Bender born uh, July 30th 1848 and John Gibhard came to America on July 1st 18 question mark question mark hmm. so they don't know what those last that year was right and it said big slaughter day January 8th and hell departed so they don't know what that actually what that meant right but the word of murders got around pretty quickly and more than 3000 people and including reporters as far away as New York and Chicago came out to Cherryvale. Oh, I bet. And the bender cabin was destroyed by souvenir hunters who took everything, including bricks lined that was lined with the cellar and stones lining the well. Oh, wow.
1: So yeah. somebody's got a bloody brick
0: somewhere. Yeah, they do. Somebody in their family. And State Senator Alexander York, he offered $1,000, which is twenty one thousand six hundred three dollars as of this year right uh, for reward for the Benders family arrest and on May 17th uh Kansas governor Thomas Osborne he offered two thousand which is upwards of forty three thousand dollars today for reward so about 70 grand yeah total wow I mean, anybody that knew these or where the Benders got to yeah all right we're gonna get a little bit more into it now detailed yeah now it is believed that when a guest would come to the benders little shack to stay, they would give the guest like a what they called a seat of honor at the table. Right. And which was positioned over a trap door that led down to this cellar.
1: Yeah. Now it's hard to say whether the the chair was over or if it was underneath the table. But either way, go ahead. Yeah.
0: They was they was sitting over top of a trap yeah. door. <laughs> And with the and their, the victim's back was to a curtain.
1: it'd be to that canvas curtain we was talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Kate, she sort of there in the kitchen would distract the guests while John Bender and his son would come from behind the curtain and hit him in the right side of the head with a hammer.
1: Yeah. So basically, while they are sitting there, he'd just swing th- through the curtain. He wouldn't even come around. I guess he could see their shadow. or Yeah, well, if it was you know, right up against it yeah, with light on the other side, he knew right where he was. Be, you'd be sitting at the table talking. Next thing you know, you'd been whacked in the head with a hammer. God almighty. A mighty. big hammer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and when they would be knocked silly, their throat would be cut by one of the women. Yep. To make sure they were dead. Sometimes slashed with a straight razor or sometimes stabbed. Yep, just depend. Cut their throat. Yep, and then drop through the trap door. Yep, to bleed out. Yeah, and once the body was in the cellar, the they would strip the body later and buried it somewhere on the property.
1: Yeah, I so said they took everything but their drawers. Yeah, <laughs> down to their underwear, and that way they had all their possessions, their money, their their horses, their livestock, the wagons, whatever they had, and they probably would do sell that stuff because they wouldn't be, uh, you know, caught, but have all their money. Mm -hmm. and then they'd wait till later to dark and take them out and bury them in the orchard
0: yeah or the garden or something vegetable garden now there was testimony from people who stayed at the bender's place and had managed to escape before they could be killed Mm. and that appeared to support the presumed execution method of the, the benders and it was a man named william pickering he said that he had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of the stains on it. I wonder what that was. Yeah, and he was threatened with a knife by Kate Bender. You gonna sit in that chair? Yeah. Oh, my god. And there was a Catholic priest that claimed to have uh, seen one of the Bender men concealing a large hammer, at which one point he became uncomfortable, and he left.
1: He got the heck out. Yeah. He didn't like
0: a preacher and got the hell out. You got that right. <laughs> and there were two men who had traveled... To the benders to experience um, kate benders psychic powers and they stayed for dinner but they refused to sit at the table next to the the cloth right and instead they preferred to eat their meal at the main shop counter i guess they had a little a
1: little counter where all the feed and stuff was
0: i guess and kate then became abusive toward them and a, a little bit later the two bender men came from behind the cloth and it was about this point The customers began to feel uneasy, and they just left. Smart, Yes. Which saved their lives. Yeah, definitely. Now, get this. There were more than a dozen bullet holes that were found in the roof and sides of the cabin. And the media speculated that some of the victims had attempted to fight back after being hit with a hammer.
1: Yeah, very possible, yeah. It's been not crazy. Just pull the gun and try to shoot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, there were detectives following wagon tracks. They discovered the Bender's wagon, abandoned with a starving team of horses with one of the mayors lame, and it was just outside the city limits of Thayer. Hmm. And this was about 12 miles north of where their cabin was. Yeah. There was a town called uh, Chanute, or Chanute, and this is where John Jr. and Kate left the train and caught the M, K, and T train south to Terminus in Red River County, and this was near Denison, Texas. Right. And from there, they traveled to an outlaw colony thought to be on the border between texas and new mexico and
1: yeah it's a pretty dangerous place yeah
0: and they were not pursued as the lawmen following outlaws into this region they often not they often didn't return themselves yeah
1: they didn't want to go down in there
0: no it was uh one detective later claimed that he had traced a pair to the border where he found john jr had died of apoplepsy i think that's how you pronounce it no idea i don't know what that is and Ma and Pa Bender did not leave the train at Humboldt, but instead continued on to n- north to Kansas City, where it is believed they purchased tickets to St. Louis, Missouri. Right now, there were several groups of vigilantes, and they were formed to search for the Benders. And many stories say that one vigilante group actually caught the Benders and shot all of them, but Kate, whom was buried alive, oh, shit. and another group claimed that they had caught the Benders and lynched them before throwing their bodies. In the Vertigas River, and there was another claim to have uh, killed the benders during a gunfight and burned their bodies.
1: So a whole lot of people's claiming they did it, but nobody ever went back and claimed all that money.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, so no, we don't know if, what what happened there. Really, yep. it was actually three thousand dollars then, and about sixty four thousand today. Yeah, and the story of the benders escape spread, and the search continued on for the next fifty years, Dale. And often two women traveling together were accused of being kate bender and her mother well that'd be bad stringing them up <laughs> you'd think now just a little bit later in 1884 it was reported that john flickinger had committed suicide in lake michigan hmm. and also in 1884 an elderly man matching pa bender's description was arrested in montana for murder committed near salmon idaho yeah somebody been killed by a hammer to the head Yeah, so that makes you wonder doesn't it right And there was a message requesting positive identification. It was sent to Cherryvale, but the suspect uh, severed his foot to escape his leg irons and bled to death. Yeah. And by the time a deputy from Cherryvale arrived, they they couldn't ID the the body.
1: Yeah, so they don't know if that was him or not. Yeah, they just don't know. But they still displayed a skull and said it was him. That's pretty wild.
0: So whether John Flickinger was really John Bender Sr., it's unknown.
1: Yeah, they said that... uh, they uh, displayed the skull in the in the Salmon Saloon until Prohibition come in in 1920, when the skull disappeared. So that, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah. So I wonder who's got it now.
0: It makes you wonder, doesn't it? That and some bloody bricks. Mm-hmm. All right, Dale. Let's talk about a little bit about the victims. Right. And like we said, the first one was a man named Jones, and his body was found in Drum Creek with a crushed skull and his throat was cut. That was in May of 1871. Yes. And somewhere around the 1st of February of 1872, uh, there was two unidentified men found on the prairie with their skulls crushed and throats cut, just like Jones. Same way. Yep. All right, now, in December of 1872, there's a man named Ben Brown. He was from Howard County, Kansas. He had $2,600 on him, and he was missing. He was buried in the apple orchard. Hmm. Payday there. Yep. And on December the 5th of 1872... Uh, W.F. McCrottie, he was a company 123rd Infantry Division. He had $30 on him and a wagon with a team of horses that went missing. Right. And on December the 6th of 1872, a man by the name of Henry McKenzie, he relocated from Independence from Hamilton County, Indiana. He had $36 on him and a matched team of horses that were missing right on december the 7th i guess it's just the the bodies and the day they were found
1: yeah that's what i'm thinking and then basically what was known that they had and what was missing yeah so basically is uh the the dates and the loot
0: yep and on december the 7th of 1872 a gentleman by the name of johnny bull from howard county kansas he had 10 bucks on him a mm-hmm. uh, pacing mare and an $850 saddle. saddle that was missing. Man, that's $18,000. Yeah, that's saddle. been a hell of a saddle. Yeah, and he was the one that was found in the well. Oh, wow. Yep. Why in the hell would you throw me? in your whale? I don't Which, know. Which,
1: you know, I did read were, when they were uh, giving all the building materials and stuff, and when they called uh, um, Elvira and Kate to come out, that they were digging the first of two wells. So maybe that's
0: why it was the first of two wells. Yeah. <laughs> One for the bodies and one to drink out of. Right, but you'd think they would run together. I mean, well, I that's true. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't mm. want to drink out of the clean one. This tastes to taste nasty. Yep. Now, on eighth um, and 9th of December of eighteen seventy-two, George Newton Longcore and his eighteen-month-old daughter Mary Ann, the one we talked about. Yes. Uh, contemporary newspapers reported his name was either George W. Longcore or George Launcher while Mary Ann is similarly reported as being either 8 years old or 18 months old. I oh, know. So that's a big difference. But Yeah.
1: From what we gathered, it was an infant daughter, and the mother had died during childbirth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And according to the 1870 census, George and his wife, Mary Ann, were neighbors of Charles Engel's family hmm. in Independence. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah. The Charles Ingalls family. Right. Now, on December the 10th of 1872, John Greary, he was found buried in the apple orchard. And on December the 11th of 1872, a man by the name of Red Smith, and he was buried in the apple orchard. Now, on December the 12th of 1872, <laughs> this is a female, Abigail Roberts, and she was buried in the apple orchard.
1: Man, it was just knocking them out, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: In December the 13th through the 15th of 1872, this one, uh, they found various body parts. And these parts did not belong to any of the other victims found and are believed to belong to at least three additional victims. That's kind of creepy. Yes. In December the 16th through the 19th of 1872, during this search, the bodies of four unidentified males were found in Drum Creek and the surrounding area. And all four had crushed skulls and throats cut and one of the uh, victims might have been Jack Bogard whose horse was purchased from a friend of the Bender's after he went missing in 1872 hmm. now this family man they were just they were just killing left and right yeah
1: smash and grab
0: now on smash may, and
1: slash I yep, guess. <laughs> may the 20th
0: 1873 uh Dr. William York this uh, he had $2000 on him he was missing and he was buried in the apple orchard hmm.
1: That's when it got them. Because I think they really had decided not to kill like families or people who were important to the community or stuff. But when they killed that doctor, that's what brought the heat on. Yeah, they had people coming after me. Yeah. yeah, when brother showed up with 50 guys, you know, some stuff's going on.
0: Yep. By including the recovery of the body parts not matched to the bodies, the finds are speculated to represent the remains of more than 20 victims, Dale, with the exception of Mackenzie and York, who were buried in Independence. And the, the Long Corps, who were buried in Montgomery County and McCrady who was buried in Parsons, Kansas, and none of the other, other bodies were claimed. Hmm. And they were reburied at the base of a small hill one mile southeast of the Bender's Orchard in one of several locations known as Bender Mounds. Hmm. And the search for the cabin resulted in the recovery of three hammers, a shoe hammer and a claw hammer. And a sledgehammer. Yes, that appeared to match indentations in some of the skulls. And these hammers were given to the Bender Museum in 1967 by the son of L- Leroy Dick. Leroy Dick. Uh, yep. The Os- He was the Osage Township trustee who headed the search of the Bender property. Hmm. Now, the, the hammers were displayed in the Bender Museum in Cherryvale from 1967 to 1978 where the site of the acquired fire station and while attempts were made to relocate the museum it became a point of controversy and some of the locals objected to the town being known as for the Mm -hmm. bender murders that's it yeah and the bender artifacts were eventually given to the Cherryvale museum where they remain uh, mounted in a display case to this day Mm -hmm. and there's a knife with a four inch tapered blade and it was reportedly found hidden in a mantel clock and the Bender's house by Colonel York. And in 1923, it was donated to the Kansas City Museum of History by York's wife, but it is not on display.
1: Yeah, it's still got reddish-brown stains on the blade. Like blood. Yeah, but it says you can't see it upon request. That's crazy. Well, I would, I would just put it in there with the hammers. You'd think. I mean, if you got the hammers hell, that was
0: the damage. Now, there is a historical marker describing the Bender's crimes, and it is located... In the rest area at the junction of U.S. Route 400 and U.S. Route 169, just north of Cherryvale. Wow! All right, Dale. Here's just a, a little something bonus, a yeah, little bonus, a little thing. bonus thing. Okay. Now this story has a connection to the Little House on the Prairie. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, not the really not the TV show, but the the Ingalls family, and it was the uh, books that were written by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And she mentioned the Bender family in her writings and speeches. And in 1937, she gave a speech at a book fair, which was later transcribed and printed in September of 1978, Saturday Evening Post, in a 1988 book called A Little House Sampler. Hmm. And she actually mentioned stopping at the Bender's place, as well as uh, recounting the rumors of the murders spreading through their community. And she alleged that her father, Pa Ingalls joined the vigilante hunt for the killers. Wow. Yeah. And when he spoke of later searches for them, he recalled at such times, Pa always said in a strange tone of finality, they will never be found. They were never found. And, and later I formed my own conclusion. Why? Some, uh, some cast a doubt on the story saying Laura would have been only four when her father, when her family moved away from the area and that the Benders were exposed in 1873, two years after, after, the, they left. after <laughs> the Ingalls family left.
1: Well, hell, why was he lie about? It?
0: Yeah, really. But uh, they don't know what happened to the Benders.
1: Nope, never caught, as far as we know.
0: But uh, much folklore and legend surrounds the Benders and you know, makes it kind of difficult to separate fact from fiction. Right. And there is a
1: movie on uh, YouTube called Benders, and I suggest you do not watch it because it is a waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it last night because I was like, "Man, this might be good." Wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is a guy on there on YouTube called his YouTube channel is called Faces of the Forgotten, and he does a couple uh, YouTube videos. One, he has an interview with the current landowner, and they're out there with a site where the cabin stood, and they're finding. Artifacts, shards of pottery, uh, spoons, glass, where well, the benders had their cabin. Mm,
1: that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's very cool. It's probably a lot better than that movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but that is the case of the bloody benders, Dale.
1: That is cool, man. That was uh, some pretty devious folks, huh? Yeah. Out there on Hell's Half Acre. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah, that's a that's a pretty devious plan to the headset there. You yeah. Know, you sit in the chair and I'll smash you in the head and cut your throat and drop you in the drop you down the trap door and we'll finish eating supper and we'll get you later. Yep. All right,
0: Dale. <laughs> We're gonna get out of here, bud. All righty, man. Let's roll. We want everyone to be safe, be careful and always be aware of your surroundings.
1: Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.